Hello and welcome to Trenta, 30-something conversations with 30-somethings and the 30-something else. I don't usually like to introduce guests by their accomplishments or achievements, but today I'd like to make an exception because I don't know a lot of people who are, who are in tech, but this guy has worked with has worked at the heart of Silicon Valley with tech giants nonetheless. So I'm especially honored to have on the show someone who's worked for or with Google as, so I searched this on your website, huh? as a PhD fellow, Disney as an Imagineer, Adobe as a research fellow, Qualcomm as an innovation fellow, He's a recipient of the Fast Company Innovation by Design Award, and currently he leads the Interactive Sensing and ML, which I searched was machine learning, Saktava. Yep. <laughs> machine learning research and engineering group at Apple. So everyone, please welcome Jirad Lapot. Hello. Hello. Kamusta? I'm good. How are you, Rad? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm honored to be here. I'm a big fan of the show. Um, <laughs> I, I think I've listened to all episodes at this point. Oh, I'm um, so touched. <laughs> so I'm sure you know, I always ask my guests for their ASL. So would you care to give your ASL? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, ASL. Age, sex, location. So age is 33, uh, male, and uh, I'm in the U.S. So East Coast, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Six hours away from New York, four hours away from DC. So that's kind of where it is. All right. So I wanted to start with something super random for a listener, aka my friend's suggestion. What were your mm -hmm. last three Google searches? Oh, wow. <laughs> last three Google searches. Yeah. Um, I can look it up for you right now okay. and figure out what that was. Um, <laughs> I think it was furniture. <laughs> so, oh, actually, so, so actually, I remember now. Um, we have a tree in front of our house that we have no idea what it is. And so okay. we I downloaded one of these apps where you can take a photo of the leaves of the tree, and it will tell you what it is. And so once I found out what it was, um, I think it was a Bradford pear tree or something like that. And then I Googled that and tried to understand when do they blossom uh -huh. in the fall? What time of the year do they blossom? What, what are their colors in the spring or in the autumn? And it was surprisingly beautiful tree. So uh -huh. that was my last Google search. Okay. All right. So just to give the listeners a background, but we met in high school. You were a, Z a senior. I was a freshman. And I yeah. always remember you being so techy. Like you're in the computer class of Sir Chris. Shout out to Sir Chris yeah. if you're listening. And you were in a band, right? I was, yeah. <laughs> and then were you the one who created scihigh.cjv.net? I did. I think I remember that. Wow, a that was really A very controversial old. website. <laughs> what happened to that one? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I tried searching. Na. But so what sparked your interest in, you know, tech? or computers and was this the career path you've all you always dreamt of um i don't think so i think um i was always uh, uh i thought of it as like a very uh I, was, I thought of myself as always like a resourceful kid um and tech tech depending on how you define tech tech is like anything that improves people's lives whether that's like you know toys for kids that they can enjoy or like tools for people with disabilities or people like helping people 
uh, I don't know, across the street. I, I think of those as like broadly technology. Mm -hmm. So when I was a kid, I was always very into like making things. Like, I'm not sure or like you, you make the things with, for Christmas carols out of like a piece of wood with like, you know, mga tansan. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I always enjoy doing that. Also, you make those kites out of uh, grocery plastic bags. And so I was always like into making things uh, with my hands. And I think in high school and somewhat like, I think Sir Chris introduced us to um, the computer class and programming. Uh, specifically it was like one of those moments where you can actually create something and you see the output come out right away and that was really powerful because you're like oh I, I do this change and then it does something yeah. and I can just do this like automatically so that was really like um, mind-opening mm -hmm. um, but then at Hesco I was I was very um, I enjoyed a lot of things like music I learned how to play guitars and what I learned too is like I'm, I'm good with things that I don't have so I didn't have a computer at home and I didn't have a guitar at home. And so I realized that if I didn't have it, whenever I had a chance to use it, I would like yeah. do my best to really make use of that time. So I didn't have a computer at home. So I'd go to the computer lab and make the most out of the time. I didn't have a guitar at home. So I would borrow someone's guitar for like a, a week. And then I would try to practice for that week intensely so that by the yeah. time I have to return it, I've learned something. And so that's kind of just like how things gravitated to, you know, my interests like in high school. And yeah. I just like kept doing it. And mm. Wait, random thought, I just remember Flash 5 was a thing back then, right? Flash 5, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Very popular. And uh, yeah. that was one of the first things I tried to, to learn. Uh, did you move abroad? I asked this earlier, no? Did, you moved abroad right after high school. What made you decide that's to right. move abroad? So I, part of it, I had no choice. <laughs> I think my mom, uh, my mom just migrated. So she had like a visa to be able to migrate to the US uh, mm -hmm. after like 22, 23 years of waiting. And so she asked me, hey, um, do you want to go to the US? I'm like, sure. I, I have no idea what that life is going to be, but I feel like we can try it. And so mm -hmm. uh, the two of us moved first. So it was her and me. And then, um, you know, we, we, uh, like, tried our best to save enough money so that the rest of our, of our family can can come over, mm -hmm. and so that was that was kind of like the 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 path. But it was not, it was very hard actually. Like we didn't know anybody, and like we just had like two pieces of luggage, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so I had to work like really odd jobs. Like oh my gosh, like I mowed people's lawns. Odd jobs. Yeah. So um, I mowed people's lawns. I would like wash people. Like I would clean people's pools. I worked in a factory. I was a waiter uh, mm -hmm. in like various catering jobs. I worked at Tim Hortons. Do you, do you uh, know Tim Hortons? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I worked there. Um, there was one really fascinating experience that I had at Tim Hortons where someone questioned. So I was in the front desk in the cashier and someone was like, why can't you count? Like, you, why are you so stupid? You can't count. And I'm just like, in the back of my mind, I was like, I know calculus three. I know how to count. Like, <laughs> sometimes arithmetic is just really hard, you know, in pressure, you know. But that made me realize that, you know, this, these types of jobs are, they kind of like mold you into like a person who can, you know, at least appreciate like hard work. And that's, okay. that's what, mm -hmm. yeah, and that's what, the, and that's what those were. And then after that, we saved enough money and then the rest of my family was able to, to come over. Mm -hmm. And 
things got sort of easier uh, from there, but that's mm -hmm. kind of like the, the journey that got me to the US. And that was like a long time ago now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's funny is we always, you know, kind of reconnect at different points. We've always reconnected at different points. And I remember in particular, three occasions. Mm -hmm. So let's go through them one by one. The oh, wow. <laughs> 2008, I was studying in France and you were in Michigan. Were you still in college or yeah. were you doing graduate studies there? Uh, that was still undergrad. So I was still okay. doing undergrad. So what was yeah. your undergrad? Like what did you major in back then? So I majored in, I double majored actually, so I'm a big oh, wow. nerd. I did, uh, <laughs> I did electrical engineering and computer engineering um, mm. with some minor in CS. So CS computer science. So that's what I majored in. Undergrad. So you really wanted, you really selected that course. Yeah, my mom wanted me to be a nurse. It's like, oh, you know what? Mag nurse na lang It's like, I don't want, I, I don't want to be a nurse. <laughs> and, but I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, grateful for my parents. Uh, first of all, for making the decision to move to a foreign country in like their mid fifties. Like that's really hard. That's a really big decision. Right. right. So I'm grateful for them for doing that. At the same time, I'm also grateful that they were supportive. Like, they just like figured that if they let they support me with whatever I choose, I'd be happy. And so, you know, no, they 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 knew that I was probably going to be okay with that choice. If if uh, I took I don't know something like I don't know drama or theater, they'd be like, oh, maybe that's not what you want to do. But. Uh, <laughs> Well, when I chose, uh, when I said, hey, I want to do, you know, more of the, the engineering route, they were like, mm -hmm. okay, that's, that sounds like a good plan. I think you'll be successful there. So I'm grateful that they were supportive. Aww. So what was your first job out of college? So I worked for um, a car company um, after college mm. um, because, you know, it was, I was in uh, Dearborn, Michigan, and that's kind of like where the big three automakers yeah. are. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, so it was a very easy transition to just move a car company. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that was a lot of fun. I learned uh, quite a lot uh, as my first job out of uh, college and it paid really well too. But uh, after two years, I was like, um, I kind of want to keep, uh, you know, uh, growing, like learning more things. And so that's when I decided to go to grad school uh, mm -hmm. after two years working uh, out of that first job. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what, maybe it's, I don't want to corner myself to just this job forever. I want yeah. to figure out what makes sense to grow. And so that's when I decided to go to grad school. Was the job in the car company tech related? Yeah, it was tech related. Ah, okay. Yeah. When, <laughs> when did you uh, join Disney? So I joined Disney, I think it was 2014. Um, ah, okay. How so did you, when how I was in grad school already. Uh, so there was a Disney like research lab uh, in where I went to grad school. So I went to Carnegie Mellon. Um, okay. and there was a yeah, and there was a Disney research lab at Carnegie Mellon. Um, and they were looking for uh, basically PhD students with backgrounds in computer science mm. to help them with some stuff. And um, the way I described that job was um, like, imagine if your job was trying uh, so the way I described it to myself was my job there was to figure out what the toys 20 years from now would be like. 
So you know, 20 years from now, what would be the, the toys and the things that kids would want to use and want to play with? Uh, what would that be and how can and things like that? So that was kind of the job, like trying to mostly very creative, like trying to imagine new things, like try to you know, engineer happiness. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's why we were called Imagineers. In, yeah, in yeah, it's so, it's so fitting, the Imagineer. Yeah, it's like Imagineers, yeah. Where were you it was based fun. That that's time? actually, that's actually, what was that? Sorry, where were you based that time for Disney? That was still in Pittsburgh. Yeah, oh, Disney okay. was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, but we would fly to LA like every so often. There were like things in LA that we wanted to deploy. And so we would fly there every often. Cool. For the parks. Yeah, because we would invent things that would probably be used in the parks in the future. So we would try to figure out, okay, we're going to put robots in the parks. Are we going to put like all these sensors in the you know, waiting lines and things like that. So uh -huh. it was good to, you know, be in the park every so often. So and lucky. It was, it was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. So the second, talking about the occasions, now the second one was in 2015. I was visiting San Francisco and I think you're about to enter. Oh, yeah. Along, or were, were, we, were you already in Google? And I was asking you about how do I get to ride a G-bike? <laughs> oh, did you get to ride a G-bike yes. when you were there? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so that was uh, that was the year after Disney. So I went to Google um, for an internship role. And um, it was the same exact job. It was like coming up with new ideas for, I don't know, new Google things. Uh, I can't say what they were, uh, but okay. I can say that it's kind of like the same type of job. So, I mean, if you look at it, if you take a step back and trace like, you know, the kinds of things that was, that drew me in, it was like making things, mm -hmm. whether the material was like manzanitas or like tansan or, or, or a piece of wood, or whether that's computers or that's sensors, it's the exact same thing. You, you have like a limited resource and you're trying to make the most out of that limited resource in a, in a very creative way. So right. both, you know, Disney was the same thing, you know, Google was the same thing. So it's just, I, you know, it's just basically like the, like kind of like a very inventive creative role. Like, uh -huh. I don't want to think of myself as an artist because that's like very presumptuous, <laughs> but it's, it's very creative. It's like a, you, you, you yeah. come up with new things. Right? Uh -huh. Would you consider this stint at Google your big Silicon Valley break? Hmm. Um, <laughs> let's see. So, I was a big fan of Google, um, and I think um, this is going to sound very weird, but um, I, I, I think it was, it was good to, to be at Google. I definitely like, enjoyed it, but it, didn't, it, wasn't, it didn't feel like, oh, it's make or break. Like, if I didn't get it, like, oh, my life would be over. Like, it didn't uh -huh. feel that way. Uh -huh. It just felt like, oh, it's another opportunity. So I thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. um, but it did expose me to lots of cool people. It exposed me to, um, you know, to expand my network. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it was cool. And I could tell people, Hey, I work at Google, we get free lunch and you know, we get all these other free stuff that we get to do every day. <laughs> but the funny thing is you become like a, a, a legit Googler is when you start complaining about the free food. So, uh, <laughs> So you know why, what I mean? Like the, why would the you mood. complain about the free food? Exactly. Like, why would you complain about free food? But it turns out, like, when you're there and, and if you've been there for, like, I don't know, three months or whatever, like, 
all these things that were like super awesome and super cool, you become desensitized to it. And then you start <laughs> complaining. And at that moment when that happens, it's like, oh, you've become officially a Googler. Oh. And so I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah. Why is it because like you're gaining weight or like is there a monotony in the choice of food? <laughs> no, you, 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 you've internalized it. You've internalized something oh, that is I... like extremely like extremely like uh, uh, I, want, I don't want to say exotic but extremely like <laughs> different from the rest of work, other workplaces. Yeah. And then it's so like like very different but then you've got to a point where it became normal to you. Yeah. And so that that is when you're like, okay, I have become that, right? You, you, you have morphed into a, a person where that thing that was very rare becomes normal to you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's weird. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So the third occasion is just this year through the podcast. Thanks to Talai. Shout out to mm-hmm. Talai for introducing you to the podcast. So you now lead. Yeah, the- thank you. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so you now lead the interactive sensing and machine learning research and engineering group at Apple. So I know I've asked you this before, but for the benefit again of our listeners, how did you land the job and what exactly do you do? Or in the most vague of terms, <laughs> what Sense do you do? Of the word. Yeah. So let's break that down. How did I get first? How did I get the job? Um, so the nice thing about grad school is like when you're about to graduate, there is this moment, uh, like I think the last year, but when you graduate uh, and you get your PhD, they call it being in the job market. And so uh-huh. you work your, you work hard, you know, your, you know, however many years, four or five years to be in a state where when you're in the job market, you're like attractive, like people want to hire you. Right? Mm-hmm. And so in a PhD, there are two routes. One is you become a professor. Uh, you teach, you know, at universities. They call it tenure track. The other is you go to industry. So I had two, I had two paths that I, that I wanted to choose, and mm-hmm. I did get offers from both, you know, tenure track, like Ivy League uh, universities, to, be, mm-hmm. to become professors there. And then I also got offers from, you know, other big tech companies like Apple, uh-huh. Microsoft, Google. And what I realized was I didn't want to be like in an ivory tower. I didn't want to, like, like like technology to me should be used by people. Uh-huh. And usually if it's in a university setting, it's like requires a lot of work. It's only like not working enough. And it's, it's in this like little universe that is isolated from the real world. Uh-huh. And so I thought to myself, if I really want to make an impact in the world through technology, I need to be in a place where I can get the resources that where I can scale all these things that I, that, you know, me and my team will be inventing and so that it can reach the, more people and I was always a big fan of Apple like I've used Apple products for like the mo- for a long time right uh-huh. and, I, 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 and I really like um, their attention to detail like the design aesthetic both from a you know from a product design like the way you know your iPhones look to the operating system the way it feels and the way like the how nice the user experience is Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Apple is a hardware and software company. So there's a really, if you want to make an impact, you want to work for a company that controls like the whole chain from hardware to software. Right. And so it was, it was a very attractive like offer and they gave me some really good perks 
mm-hmm. uh, as part of the negotiation process. And so when, when I was in the job market and I had like an array of choices, you know, luckily for me, uh, I, I thought long and hard and I was like, you know what, this place is going to position me to make a really strong impact. And that's, that's how I made the choice. And they also wanted me to lead a group. Like I, I asked them, hey, I want to build a team that can scale um, all these things that we want to make and invent. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, do it. And so that's, that's that was, that was, that was where it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. You mentioned. And so that was, that was part one. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? That was like, what, how did you, and then the other one is what do you do at Apple? Yeah. So um, at a very broad sense, so I lead a team where we basically come up with new ideas, come up with new features, whether that's hardware or software for the next generation of Apple products and experiences. So again, it's like inventing new things. It's, it's the exact same thing that I mentioned earlier. Like you've got your, you know, your limited resource or your, your devices and what can, how can you make them do more to, so that they can impact people, whether improving people's health or improving the way people enjoy, you know, communicating with each other, uh-huh. or, you know, just coming up with new ideas that will help improve people's lives for the better. So that's usually, that's, that's the role. Uh, <laughs> it's very broad, but it, it, it's good. Yeah. You also mentioned that pre-COVID, one of the things you're pr- you you're proud of is the automatic hand washing detection. Am I oh, yeah. am I am I at liberty to mention that? Yeah, that's fine. That's public. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so tell us what that was about. So um, before COVID, um, you know, no one was thinking about washing their hands like crazy. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I had this idea you know, during grad school where, um, you know, I was able to detect what your hands were doing through a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I realized that if, that a lot of diseases are spread uh, by people not washing their hands. And that was before COVID, like that was just a fact, like whether that's right. in hospitals or, you know, in restaurants and things like that. So it's like, you know what, if, if this thing that I came up with can be used to help you know limit disease spread that would be really useful right mm-hmm. and so i worked uh, as an intern at apple and uh, they said hey can you you know can you make this work <laughs> and i was like all right let's try it and then you know long story short i was able to get it to work and uh, it w- there was a break- technical breakthrough and we were able to get it to work and so we just you know started developing it so that it would scale and then covid came uh-huh. And then people were like, you know what, we really need this. So we were already thinking about it before, you know, before um, COVID happened. And so we were in a great position to actually do it. And we are, in fact, the first uh, to ever do it uh, in the world. So that was really wow. fun. And also at the same time, really, a really proud moment. Um, but it took a lot of work. I wouldn't, you know, there's a lot of teams at Apple who helped uh, put that together. Uh-huh. Um, but uh yeah, that was that was a proud moment, and you know, my wife always uh, bugs me to wash my. She always bugs me to wash my hands uh, uh-huh. every time I come home. Uh, and so I'm like, you know what? There's something here. There's like some really cool feature here that you know, if everybody knew and learned uh, that that was a habit that they should do, then it's a it's a useful thing. And so you know, that was the the, the genesis of the idea, and then you know, the rest is the rest is where we are now. So the watch reminds you to wash your hands is, is that right so what it does is it actually detects that you're washing your hands 
Okay. Uh, and, if, and the goal, once it detects it automatically, it will then prompt you to make sure that you do it for 20 seconds or longer. Oh, I see, I see. So it does it automatically. Um, and if you if you notice, if you notice, um, people don't actually wash their hands for longer than 20 seconds. It's like very, it's, it's very like weak sauce kind of washing. And so what the feature does is it knows that you did that, but then it's gonna, it's gonna tell you that, hey, you know what, 20 seconds is where, you know, the, the bar is, or at least 20 seconds. And so if you do it for shorter than 20 seconds, it'll tell you, hey, you can do it for longer than because that will help reduce the spread of disease. Nice. Uh, and then if you, and if you do do it for longer uh, than 20 seconds, um, there's a count, there's like a bubble animation that will congratulate you when you actually uh, do it. And so there's a sort of like a dopamine hit uh, that you get when you actually complete it because it's like a really nice like animation. And so <laughs> that was it, 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 so it encourages people to actually do it the right way. Uh huh. So that's kind of, and then it logs it to your to your um, what we call health kit data, uh -huh. which is um, like it keeps a record and it tallies like okay, this is your average length of how you wash your hands. Uh, -huh. uh You know, your average is ten seconds. You're very bad. You know, we don't <laughs> say it that way, but like you need to be better, right? And so it helps you uh, perform better habits, right? Mm -hmm. So it's this this idea that you know technology can can help you know people become better whether that's fitness or preventing disease. Right. So time and so timely. Yeah, it's it's very timely. It was important then. It's even more important now. Uh -huh. I remember I also asked you about the sensor or monitor for home appliances that analyze data mm -hmm. and gathered. Was this something you did for Apple too? No, that was not, that was just through my research. So through oh, our university I research. I yeah. see. Um, yeah, that's, that was also uh, super fun. I got a lot of press attention for that. Yeah, but. yeah. It's on, it's on YouTube, guys. So if, if you have oh, that, <laughs> yeah, that's where, oh, I, no. where I found out about it. So would you, if, if you don't mind, can you tell us more about that? Uh, I, I don't want to bore everyone. <laughs> I wasn't bored watching the video, so yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, so basically, um, it's kind of like a, a way to, if you think about it in your daily life, you've got these like little activities that you do um, uh, that is part of what we call, um, you know, activities of daily living. And this is even more important for people who are aging, let's say your, your grandparents. Like uh -huh. there are these activities of daily living that are really vital to understanding whether they are still, um, you know, performing optimally. So one mm -hmm. of those is like taking a shower, brushing their teeth, uh, walking around, um, turning on appliances and things like that. Right. So that was kind of like the motivation. Can we detect those things so that we can understand whether, you know, grandma is still okay or mm -hmm. whether they're cognitively declining, et cetera. So that was kind of like the motivation for doing that. I so that was the problem. And so the question now is, how do you sense those events so uh -huh. that we can digitize them? So you go from the analog world to the digital world. So yeah. that when you're in the digital world, there's also these cool things you can do with it. And so, you know, we came up, uh, my team and I came up with a sensor that, you know, you just plug into your wall and then it will detect all these different, you know, activities of daily living. Uh -huh. So that was kind of like the genesis of the idea. And so uh -huh. part of the job was to communicate to the outside world, hey, you know, we want this. We want to, to inspire people so that companies can think about this type of technology and maybe they could include it in future products. Right. 
So how does that work? That like, do companies tap you for the for the inventions? Well, at that time, have they? Yeah. So, so as a PhD student, yes. So as a PhD student, they would um, they say, "Oh, this is really cool." So I would, I would get emails, and they would say, "Hey, um, can you tell us more about this? Because we want to use it for you know this application and that application." And so I'm uh-huh. all, I'm in these meetings with these companies and I tell them, no guys, that's not going to work for that. Or yeah, it will work for that, et cetera. And then the next phase of that, when they feel like, oh, it's actually quite useful, they would then license the technology. So uh-huh. what so that the means patent, is- The patent is patent, yeah. uh, with the company, not you anymore. No, so we make the patent. So we, we ah, okay. file the patent. Yeah, uh-huh. So I'm an inventor in that patent. But you just license it. They, yeah, we license it. So they pay us, yeah. So we license the technology and then they pay us and the inventors get a get a portion of that uh-huh. licensing uh, money. Yeah. I'm curious, so, do you have that technology at home? Like you just recently moved into your new house. Do you have that at home? <laughs> uh, if you look at my background here, I have some like gadgets that I'm trying to build. So it's it's a I'm, I'm trying to build a version of it uh, here at my home oh, man, for, so for my cute. own purposes. Yeah. <laughs> That is so cool. So speaking of like, you know, um, your job being, you know, inventing new things. So what's your creative process and how do you, you know, there's always a point where you reach like, if there's a writer's block, I don't know how you call it. Is there like a creative mind block or something? What do you do during these times? That's a, that's a great question. Um, so I usually, when it gets to that point, um, so first of all, like in any creative thing, you you have like inspiration, like you draw inspiration from, you know, works of other people. Uh-huh. And so I draw inspiration from like, you know, the, the famous inventors of our, of our times, like, you know, Faraday and, and uh, Tesla and um, Newton and all, all those, all those folks, like you try to understand, like, how did they come up, came up with these like uh, breakthroughs in how uh-huh. we change the view of the world. And so I try to read up on like the biographies from those people. I also try to read up on like how, you know, how companies are formed, like, you know, Steve Jobs and, and uh, all these other like, uh, you know, engineering driven companies that add value to the world. So that's kind of like the baseline, like you stand on the shoulders of giants is what they call it. Uh-huh. Um, and it's the same with like, if you're in theater, you do the same exact thing. You read, you know, you go back to like, they're really, Right. influential pieces that, that, that moved you. So it's, it's the exact same thing there. Um, but then the key then is to figure out, okay, uh, what am I adding to the world that has never been done before? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in technology, things are always like changing. There's always new things. And uh, there is a, what we call novelty. So novelty is like, is there something new? Is, mm-hmm. is the thing that you're creating new? So that's valuable. And the other thing is, is the thing you're creating going to be useful? So there's, if you look at it from a X, Y axis, there's like, is it new and is it valuable? Uh-huh. And things that are new are not necessarily useful. So for example, you know, uh, what's, a, what's a really uh, good example? Like, uh, what was that thing that spins in your, in your finger? Uh, what would you call that? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, uh. I forgot what, what it's called, but yeah, I've it's seen like the, the fidget spinner, the yeah, fidget yeah. spinner, right? Okay, a fidget spinner. It's a new thing. It's like, it's really new. It's a novel thing, but is it useful? Ah, I don't know, right? So it's really easy to create new things that are just like, 
not like toys almost, right? But what's really hard is to create something new and also very useful. And right. so whenever, so whenever I'm like stuck, I just try to figure out, okay, what are what are things that are um, useful that, that can add value to the world? And so the way to do that is to be in touch with people. Like, what are people's problems? What are people's uh, desires? What do they What do they want? That what's a problem that exists in the world mm-hmm. that you know that technology can solve? And so I often like you know try to build empathy with with people just to understand. Okay, you know, is this a valid need? And is there a place where technology can help? So that's how I usually uh, go around the the block is to just yeah. be be more human, like try to try to understand you know people's problems a little bit more. Yeah, that, I think that's such a great point because you know it's it's easy to say na yeah there's a lot of talent going around, but the soft skills that people have are what separate them from you know the the regular inventors right it's your how you're in touch with reality because yeah that's that's how you that's how you connect with people it's how you connect with people and technology at the end of the day is there to serve people it's there to to be valuable to people and so Mm -hmm. you need really good empathy skills to be able to you know anticipate and to build something that will be useful yeah to, to people yeah what are the struggles you've encountered or like what's the tough part of being in your industry? Hmm. Let's see. Um, let, me, let me think a little bit. Um, I think, I think there's a tendency to, um, I mean, this is not necessarily like, you know, the companies that I work for, but uh-huh. in general, there's a tendency to hype things, mm-hmm. um, to, to really overhype things. Like they, someone said, oh, you know, this is so awesome. And at the end of the day, it's, it's vapor, like it doesn't work. Or right. they're doing it to mislead people or they're doing it so that they get investment mm-hmm. so that they can actually make it work as opposed to claiming that, hey, it works first and then yeah. they get investment. They're like, it could work and then they get money and then they try to figure out whether it works or not. And what frustrates me is there's lots of, you know, people and companies who try to do that and it's very misleading and it's not good. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're scamming people. Right? Yeah. Especially yeah. I so, think in, in your industry where the competition is quite cutthroat, right? Yeah. It's quite cutthroat. Yeah. And so, you know, people try to make, uh, get ahead of, of the competition by, you know, claiming things that actually don't exist yet. And they're saying, Oh, it works. And they're doing all of that. So, I don't like that. Um, I don't personally um, have encountered that like um, like within my team or whatever. But mm-hmm. you know, I've seen it around, and I've seen it. You know, I'm, I'm in I'm in I'm in tune to what's happening. That you know, those things tend to um, percolate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is um, this notion of. Um, when companies want to grow, like let's just say, I don't know, what's a good example? Uh, I'm just gonna pinpoint some very factual in examples like you know Uber or, or DoorDash, for example. And the way that they try to you know gain market, uh, you know, to gain you know market share is to 
offer things either for free or very cheap, right? Mm-hmm. So that so that so that more people jump into it, yeah. and then once it's there, then they can start charging people, right? So uh-huh. it's a very interesting business model yeah. of right. of using capital to buy almost like buy market share. Because mm-hmm. I don't like that because. Um, it drives away like small businesses and all these other competitions. So you're basically just relying on like VC money to, yeah. to give you your edge and to give you your competition. So, uh-huh. uh, but unfortunately that's what works. Like that's kind of like how it is at the moment, but I'm hoping that, that things will change mm-hmm. so that we get, you know, we get a more like, like healthier competition as opposed to just like the big, uh, well-funded companies trying to just buy market share that way. Right. Sorry, I'm getting super technical, <laughs> but you have, you have very smart listeners, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worried. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> okay, so I've asked some friends to send in their questions now, and here's one. Oh, wow. Sent in. He says, you've worked for tech giants. How does each work culture differ? And Mm. Not to put you on the spot, or only if you're comfortable answering this. What company do you prefer? Do you prefer working for, or if, or if not, what's the ideal work environment for you? Okay, there's a lot of questions there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, my favorite is Apple, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um, so different. So I'm just gonna say with the places that I've worked with: uh, Google, Apple, Disney, um, Microsoft. Um, they work very different in very different ways. First, because they have different focus, right? So uh, for Google, for example, their business model is through ad revenue and search. So they're a very mm. software driven company. And so that creates a culture where, you know, software is a lot more valued. Um, but what, so what that means, <laughs> that probably doesn't mean anything, <laughs> but what that means is like, you attract a different set of, of, of people. So they're mostly like, you know, computer scientists, for example. Uh-huh. Um, if you go, if you contrast that with a company like Apple, Apple's business model is to sell products and then have the software along with the hardware, you know, as part of the thing that makes you money. And so what that means is you get to hire a broader set of people. You get to hire product designers, uh-huh. um, you get to hire like retail people and you get to hire, um, you know, software and hardware engineers. So it's a lot more diverse of a workplace um, and, and it, it feels different. Um, and then at Disney, it's almost like an entertainment company, right? Uh, and so it feels different. Like you've got your producers and yeah. movie people and you've got your uh, theater and your um, parks people. So it's, uh, it's a different feel. And technology is not the main driver for Disney. It's actually the, you know, the movies or, or the parks. Right, so software and tech is treated differently mm. uh, at, at places like Disney. And then Microsoft is also different. Like their the main uh, driver for their revenue are enterprise. So you know the, the you know selling software to enterprises. What I mean by that is, you know, the workplaces, right? Yeah. Like more corporate corporate audience. And so the feel there is also different. Mm. Right? So it, it, they just organically morph into a different um, like cultures that that value different things because of how they have become how they've added value and how they sell their products and how they make money uh-huh. but at the end of the day the common thing is that there's lots of really smart people very passionate and you know everyone wants to make a difference in the world 
That so, is so nice. So I just wanted to yeah. point out, like, of the top five companies, top five tech companies, you, I think you've worked for all except Amazon, right? Or if you use the <laughs> S-A-A-N-G, you haven't worked for Netflix as well. But yeah, so there's, or Facebook. Have you worked for Facebook? No, I haven't worked for okay, Facebook. Okay, so Facebook. I don't want to work for Facebook. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, wow, you've covered Apple, Microsoft, and Google. So like, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, so coming from a science high school, we both came from a science yeah. high school. You're not exactly a scientist in the traditional natural science sense but i i know Not that you're a scientist because of your drive for you know improving people's lives through tech so what would be your message or probably advice to young people especially young filipinos in particular yeah. who want to pursue a career in tech and innovation just like you yeah so i consider myself a scientist like once you have a PhD, you're automatically a scientist. So for oh, everyone who wants to be a scientist, go get a PhD. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're also called a doctor when you get oh. a PhD. So you can, you know, if you want to travel and be called a doctor, you can say, hey, I'm, you know, doctor, whatever, doctor rad. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think, I think the advice is uh, don't get too bogged down with like the details of classes. Um, like, you know, the math and the science, like when you're in science, when you listen in your science high school, you have to memorize the periodic table, you have to memorize yeah. all the, you know, the, the, the trigonometric identities, like all those, all those things, like they're so, the way they're, they're taught is very rote and they, they, it's very dry and they don't have like the, the fun that, that, that the reason why they're taught, right? Uh -huh. um, and so my advice is like, uh, like the best skill to learn is to learn how to learn like that takes you a really long way like not only in high school or in school but like even in life yeah. like if you're always curious and if you're you always question what's happening in the world and you always like pay attention to to details and ask yourself why why is this why does this chair have four legs why like why not two and there's a reason for that. Like uh -huh. in physics, you know, you, in order for a, for a body to stand, you need at least three points, right? And so by asking yourself why a thing is the way it is, you automatically become like a, you know, a scientific thinker. You automatically become uh, a person who questions the world and who wants to understand why things are the way they are. And so if you just follow that pattern in everything that you do, you actually discover that there's so much beauty and so much like opportunity to also create things and to modify the way things are. Uh -huh. um, and like, one, one thing I didn't really like about like high school is like, you have to do your homework and you just have to copy people's like, right. it, it didn't feel fun, it, was, it wasn't fun. And then now I realized that um, it was really fun. Like I use math all the time, not because you know, I have to memorize the trigonometric identities, but you need math to make sure that you know your thing is safe or your thing is is useful right wow. um mm. and so there, there's a there's a reason why they thought that if you just go beyond that and just like try to explore the, the the beauty of why things are the way they are then then it's there's so much to the world like just ask every single question like why are your windows the size that they are uh -huh. and are windows is there a reason why doors are always the same width 
and the same height. You ask yourself that, it's like, oh yeah, there is a reason for that. It's called standardization, right? You need to standardize things so that, you know, when construction builders try to build things, it's, it's easy, right? So it's just all these little things, like why are your shoes have rubber soles in them? Like, how did it become that way? Did it used to be rubber? Was there other material that was used in the past and why? Like, is it to protect your shoes maybe? Like, did we have shoes when we were, you know, 10,000 years ago, did we wear shoes? Probably not, so why do we need shoes now when we didn't need shoes in the other, you know, at other point in time? So asking these things, it's just like, wow, there's like a whole web of things that you can learn and just understand and you appreciate life a little bit better and you can then tell yourself, oh, you know what? Maybe I can change how shoes are or maybe I can change how doors are or whatever. And then you're now participating in the you know, scientific community by just changing the way you think. Uh -huh. Wow. That's like one advice that I can offer. Aww. So I know you took the industry route and not the mm -hmm. academe, but do you ever see yourself coming home, whether just to visit or for good, to teach? <laughs> so yeah, I think um, I actually have like an affiliate faculty role at, oh, at okay. Carnegie Mellon. So whenever I, if I want to, I can teach. So I think teaching is a good way to uh, share um, what you've learned, uh -huh. but uh, you also want to have something to teach. And so I feel like being in industry and, and having the practical experience and the, um, the things that I learned there, that's what I want to share. Right. Um, and then the other thing is like, when you invent new things, you automatically create new knowledge. And so that new knowledge can also be taught to other people. So I do, yeah, that's a, that's a topic that's close to me. And I, you know, that's, that's in the back of my mind. If we need, if, if you know, things, if there's opportunities, then yeah, that would, that would be nice. fine. So before we go, what are your top three all-time favorite Apple products, whether current or phased out. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, I think I like the iPod. So that's mm -hmm, definitely classic. one. Like iPod. Yeah, it's like, you know, you got your technology and your music. It disrupted uh -huh. what it meant to, you know, listen to music while on the go. Right. Um, I definitely enjoy that. Um, the iPhone was also uh, like uh, a big breakthrough technologically. Uh -huh. I really, uh, I think um, it changed how, it, it basically changed the whole entire industry and, and the world, uh, but just rethinking what a phone can be. And then I think there's a tie, uh, <laughs> if I can do like a tie, I think I like the watch and the uh -huh. and AirPods. I think those are really um, great products for, for the watch. It's like you now have a computer on your wrist and I don't think that has happened in the history of man. <laughs> yes. Is there people? Yeah. So having a computer that you carry with you that is like very intimate is on your body is a phenomenal thing. Uh -huh. And then if you extend that idea with the AirPods, it's actually not just on your body, but it's in your ears, right? It's in yeah. your body. So yeah. that is a very different way of, you know, computers being a lot more integrated in, in, into people. And I love the AirPods. They're, they're super nice. I um, love it. <laughs> So those are, <laughs> those are uh, things that I, I feel are uh, uh, my, my favorites for Apple products. Among okay, last question. This was again yeah. sent by a friend. You may or you may not answer this. How to be okay. you, Po? <laughs> How to be what? How to be you, Po? How to be you? Like, what does yeah, that mean? Like, like, it's like a, 
it's like a joke na Oh, it's like a po is like ka- the how to po is like po. like po opo. Yeah. Po is like opo, it's like the uh, yeah. like how, the how referential term yeah. like you, yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, let's see. I think people are everyone is very unique. Like you have your own circumstance in life, you have your own track. Yeah, you you're like you, I don't think it you can never have a copy of one exact same person, right? Um but but um what I I think it's this idea that um I think that's actually really hard. <laughs> I've never thought about it that way. Uh let, let me think a little bit more. Um Go ahead. Let's see. I think for me, what has never changed um, over the years, like high school, even to now is to, I think just be always curious, just be always, um, uh, just pursue something that you feel is like, in, like, like enjoyable and like try to, try to pursue like your, your interests and uh, things that make you happy. And then at the same time, don't take away your integrity. So be, be very smart and intellectual and be curious, but at the same time, you can't lose who you are. You can't uh, lose your integrity. Mm-hmm. And if you keep that, if you keep those two things, I think you'll go really far because there are lots of people who are really smart, lots of people who can do really cool things, but uh, are a little bit compromised of the integrity and True. they can do a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. But if you are both, you know, really impactful and at the same time you keep that integrity um i think you'll be a force to be reckoned with and the world will be happy that you existed and so <laughs> if, you, if you just like do that i think that can take you really far and like i think for me like um that's kind of like the like a you know like a path that you, that you can take and then for me like if i boil down to like what makes me happy as a person? Like, what is my idea of happiness? I feel like it's spending time with family and friends, traveling, always learning, and pursuing creative projects. Like those those things like make me happy. And so, if you do that, I feel like you know you there's there's a lot that you could do in the world, and it will be fun. Aww. Wow, so inspiring, and I super learned a lot on this episode. So, Rad, thank you again very much. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. And oh, I have one more thing to say, by the way. Um, yeah. So, before we end, uh, <laughs> Go ahead. so I just, I just want to say if uh, Sir Pax is listening, Sir, sorry, guys, Sir, sa mga utang ko buiskat, hopefully makapayat rin ako ato. All right, let's let's hope this gets to Sir Pax. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so right, if you want to know more about Jirad and what he does, you may visit his website at jirad.com. That's G-I-E-R-A-D.com. Again, thanks, Rad. I'll just stop recording, but we can check a bit later. So yeah, thanks and bye. Oh, yeah, there, and I, one, one other thing. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm hiring. Yeah, I, I'm also hiring. So if you're interested, uh, send me an email. And we'll oh, wow. Talk. There. There you go. All right. Okay. Thank you. Bye.